From Creation Ministries International, you're listening to Creation.com's article podcast. The research and insights that give God the glory, refutes evolution, and gives you the answers to defend your faith. I'm Joseph Darnell. The standard definition of vestigial is an organ that once was useful in an animal's evolutionary past, but that now is useless or is very close to useless. The list of vestigial organs in humans has shrunk from 180 in 1890 to a whopping zero in 1999. Evidently, to salvage from this once critical support for evolution, a new revisionistic definition of a vestigial structure is now sometimes used. This definition involves the idea that a vestigial organ is any part of an organism that has diminished in size during its evolution because the function it served decreased in importance or became totally unnecessary. This definition is problematic because it is vague and it allows almost every structure in humans to be labeled as vestigial. The question, do any vestigial organs exist in humans, or any other life form for that matter, first requires a definition of vestigial. The most common definition of a vestigial organ throughout the last century was similar to the following. Living creatures, including man, are virtual museums of structures that have no useful function, but which represent the remains of organs that once had some use. The evolution of life defines a vestigial organ as one which has lost its function in the course of evolution and is usually much reduced in size. The standard anatomy authorities usually define a vestigial organ as referring to a once useful organ that is now useless or very close to useless. Dorland's dictionary defines the term vestigial as a vestige, trace, or relic and defines the term as the remnant of a structure which functioned in a previous stage of a species evolution. Churchill's dictionary defines vestigial as an organ that has no obvious function, and notes that the word vestigial derives from the Latin word vestigium, meaning footprint, imprint, track, and trace. A standard dictionary of biology defines the word vestigial as follows. An organ that is functionless and generally reduced in size, but bears some resemblance to the corresponding fully functioning organs found in related organisms. Examples include the wings of flightless birds, the limb girdles of snakes, the appendix and the ear muscles of humans, and the scale leaves of parasitic flowering plants. The presence of vestigial organs is thought to indicate that the ancestors of the organism possessed fully functioning organs. Asimov provides two examples of a vestigial organ, One, the tiny bones posterior to the sacrum called the cossacks, which Asimov claims were once meant for a tail. And second, the small muscles around the ears, which Asimov claims were unworkable muscles once meant to move the ears. As we're going to see, these conclusions are not based on empirical evidence, but instead on evolutionary assumptions. The definitions of vestigial organs all focus on organs that once had an important function in an animal's evolutionary past, but have virtually no function in the animal today. Our next example is typical of how the vestigial organ argument was used in textbooks in the past as a proof of evolution. Useless organs prove evolution. Science has piled up still further evidence for its case. It has found a number of useless organs among many animals. They have no apparent function and must therefore be a vestige of a once useful part of the body. 
A long time back, these vestigial organs must have been important, but now they're just reminders of a common ancestry. One example is the vermiform appendix, which is not only utterly useless in human beings, but which often causes great distress. This definition still is commonly used. One of the most popular modern life science textbook writers defined vestigial as follows. Evolution is not a perfect process. As environmental changes select against certain structures, others are retained, sometimes persisting even if they are not used. A structure that seems to have no function in one species, yet is homologous to a functional organ in another species, is termed vestigial. Darwin compared vestigial organs to silent letters in a word. They are not pronounced, but they offer clues to the word's origin. In the past, evolutionists claimed that there were approximately 180 vestigial organs in humans, including the appendix, the tonsils, the pineal gland, and the thymus. Now we know that the appendix is part of the immune system, strategically located at the entrance of the almost sterile ileum from the colon with its normally high bacterial content. And the tonsils have a similar function in an entrance to the pharynx. The pineal gland secretes melatonin, which is a hormone that regulates the circadian rhythm and has other functions. The thymus is a part of the immune system related to T-cells. HIV attacks T-cells, rendering them ineffective and for this reason is always eventually fatal. So the number of organs that once were believed to be functional in the evolutionary past of humans, but are non-functional today, has been steadily reduced as the fields of anatomy and physiology have progressed. Few examples of vestigial organs in humans are now offered, and the ones that are have been shown by more recent research to be completely functional, and in many cases, critically so. The idea of vestigial organs in humans also is discussed in popular books on science and medicine, whose authors frequently admit that the common examples are no longer considered as valid. One popular book on the human anatomy which discussed vestigial organs stated that next to circumcision, tonsillectomy is the most frequently performed piece of surgery. Doctors once thought tonsils were simply useless evolutionary leftovers, and took them out thinking that they could do no harm. Today, there is considerable evidence that there are more troubles in the upper respiratory tract after tonsil removal than before, and doctors generally agree that simple enlargement of tonsils is hardly an indication for surgery. The claim by creationists that there are no vestigial organs in humans usually refers to the most common definition that has been employed for the past century, not the problematic newer definition now being used by evolutionists in an attempt to salvage the idea that is, organs that have reduced function compared to their putative use in some vague, undefined past. According to the revisionist's definition, a vestigial structure is any part of an organism that has diminished in size during its evolution because the function it served decreased in importance or became totally unnecessary. Examples are the human appendix and the wings of the ostrich. Another source defines a vestigial structure as any organ that during the course of evolution has become reduced in function and usually in size. This revisionistic definition of reduced in size and function is unwarranted for several reasons. For example, how much reduction is required before the label vestigial becomes appropriate? Is 30% a large enough reduction or will a 1% reduction suffice? In addition, there are so many examples of reduced size and sometimes function that the label vestigial becomes meaningless. For example, an analysis of the skull morphology of our supposed evolutionary ancestors would lead to the conclusion that our jaw is vestigial, 
as compared to our alleged ancestors, since it is alleged by evolutionists to be comparatively smaller in humans today, and also has a reduced function, at least relative to its strength and ability to masticate food. In fact, as a result of our smaller jaw, our wisdom teeth, for example, are claimed to be vestigial. This definition of vestigial would also necessitate the conclusion that because the external navel orifices, the nostrils, are smaller in modern humans, compared to hypothetical ape-like ancestors, they too should be labeled as vestigial. Many people have problems breathing partly because their nostril passages are just too small, as is obvious from the widespread use of nose bridge expander units and nasal sprays. This is also illustrated by the frequency of rhinoplasty surgery, especially surgery to repair a deviated septum. No evolutionists have claimed that our jaws and nostrils are vestigial, yet according to the revisionists' definition, they clearly would be vestigial structures. Furthermore, since the human jaw, eyes, eyebrows, brow ridges, front limbs, nose, ears, eyes, and even mouth could be labeled vestigial, the term obviously becomes meaningless when defined in this fashion. The textbook illustrations of our alleged ancestors consistently show them with thick skulls and large protruding brow ridges which serve to protect their eyes. Our skull and brow ridges therefore would be vestigial. Why natural selection would cause these structures to diminish in size in modern humans is never discussed. Evolutionists even use the lack of brow ridges in humans as an example of poor design. For example, Colby concluded that the human skull is too thin to provide adequate protection to the gigantic brain and the absence of brow ridges leaves the eyes poorly protected. Furthermore, on the average, muscle mass, organ function, and strength have decreased in modern humans, no doubt through lack of use due to living in modern society. By the revisionist's definition, aging alone produces vestigial organs in virtually every human. This would mean that, if macroevolution were true, and if humans evolved from lower animals, one could argue that virtually every structure in modern humans is vestigial because vestigial organs are defined as those that are somewhat less useful today than they were in the past. That's coming up after the break. People want to understand where we all came from, so religious leaders, scientists, and secular educators have each rose to the challenge to give answer to why we're all here. One way or another, they're all limited by the number of facts and opinions that they can gather and assess. Evolutionists and creationists should both be aware of the relevant facts, though, before they draw conclusions or debate origins and reality itself. If you want answers to evolution's most controversial claims, you'll want to get a copy of the Creation Answers book, and I'm pleased to tell you that it's now available in audiobook form, read by yours truly. Or if you like, you can also get a soft cover or ebook copy. The Creation Answers book provides biblical answers to over 60 important questions that everyone should be informed on, like what about carbon-14 dating? How did all the animals fit on the ark? Where are all the human fossils? How did bad things come about? Not only does the book answer your questions, but equips you to effectively respond to those that resist the gospel due to the theory of evolution. The Creation Answers book is a great place to start your exploration of creation-evolution issues, and is a must-have for anyone's library. Get the audiobook, ebook, or softcover at creation.com store.
If the definition of a vestigial organ is one that is less developed in a modern animal compared to an ancestor due to loss mutations, adaptation, etc., all organs in modern humans that were more developed in our alleged ancestors would be vestigial. This means that if macroevolution were true, and if humans evolved from lower animals, one could argue that virtually every structure in modern humans is vestigial, because vestigial organs are defined as those that are somewhat less useful today than they were in the past. A rare exception would be the human brain, and even the brain could be claimed to be vestigial in size if we accepted Neanderthals as our ancestors. Neanderthals, on the average, had a brain larger than modern humans, about 1,500 cubic centimeters compared to 1,300 for people today. Probably the best example of this definition of vestigial structures is the ability of some bacteria to digest the most common organic compound on Earth, cellulose. Cellulose is the chief component of plants. Grass, leaves, wood, and tree bark are primarily cellulose. The only reason that many animals, including cows, horses, sheep, and termites, can use grass and wood for food is because they have a symbiotic relationship with certain bacteria that are able to digest cellulose. Yet evolutionists postulate that higher organisms lost the ability to digest cellulose. Thus, most modern animals have a vestigial cellulose metabolism system. If humans possessed this ability, starvation and most malnutrition would be a thing of the past. Starvation and malnutrition have been major problems throughout history, and even today an estimated 60% of the world's population is malnourished. It would seem evolution should select for the ability to metabolize cellulose, and certainly would select against those life forms that lost this ability. The revisionist definition of vestigial also requires that the evolutionary history of an animal is known when, in fact, the history of most, if not all life is often admittedly largely speculation. Furthermore, the judgment of vestigial is based on evaluations of modern examples of apes, rabbits, other animals, and humans. These judgments cannot be based on our actual evolutionary ancestors for several reasons. Although many fossil bone fragments have been found, no well-preserved mammals or mammal organs that are estimated to be 1 million or even 50,000 years old exist. Consequently, usually only modern examples can be used for comparison. Note Asimov's example. In certain plant-eating animals, the cecum is a large storage place where food may remain to be broken down by bacteria so that the animal itself may more easily digest and absorb it. The appendix in Man and the Apes is what remains of the large cecum. It indicates that the fairly near ancestors of Man and the Apes were plant eaters. The appendix is thus the useless remainder of a once useful organ. It is a vestige, from the Latin vestigium. Just as a footprint is a sign that a man once passed that way, so a vestige is a sign that a useful organ once passed that way. The example often given to support this conclusion, the modern human appendix, is judged vestigial when compared to an animal that has a larger appendix, such as the modern rabbit. What should be compared, though, is not modern humans and modern rabbits, but modern humans and actual ancestors, something that can only be estimated by examining extant fossil remains of our putative ancestors, most of which are badly distorted bone fragments. Much can be learned about an animal from bone fragments, but little can be ascertained about organs, organ tissues, cell structures, and most other key biological aspects of life, because no examples exist in the fossil record. 
The only criterion for making judgments about organ evolution is an examination of modern animals like the rabbit. The vestigial organ argument becomes a classic case of circular reasoning when it infers reduced organ size because of accepted phylogenies, and then uses this alleged reduction to prove the phylogenies. Yet another revisionist's definition suggests any organ or structure that lacks function related to the animal survival should be labeled as vestigial. Actually, all organs have large numbers of structures that fit this definition. To creationists, this fact argues for a designer, because such structures cannot be explained by natural selection for the simple reason that they confer no known survival advantage. Examples are everywhere, and in humans include the ability to create music, song, and dance. Even in the plant world, there are many examples of structures that cannot be explained by natural selection. Some modern flowering plants such as dandelions are self-pollinating and consequently have no need for flowers. According to the lacking function for survival definition, the flowers would be vestigial. Creationists use these and similar examples to argue that much of God's creation was designed for human enjoyment and for God's own enjoyment, as he declared it good several times before man was created. A field of dandelions is a thing of beauty that is famous the world over, and thus a favorite of photographers everywhere. Evolutionists have never explained how and why so many structures could exist in humans like the complex structures that enable music, song, and dance that confirm no survival advantage, yet delight millions. Only creation can explain this observation. The clear conclusion is that the concept of evolutionary vestigial organs is useless, is largely speculative, and certainly not good science. The Creation.com article podcast is hosted by me, Joseph Darnell, and produced out of the U.S. studio of Creation Ministries International. Learn more at creation.com. This episode's article was written by Jerry Bergman. Our writers and scientists host a really cool talk show called Creation.com Talk, which you can find right here in your podcast app and YouTube. If you would like to help us, become a monthly supporter using our donate page. You can also help us out by telling your family and friends to check out our podcasts and creation.com. Be sure to follow Creation Ministries International on Facebook and Instagram, and subscribe to our free e-newsletter, InfoBytes. From everyone at creation.com, thanks for listening. <laughs>